So I'm here with, uh, this is Paul Vasseur with uh, Kathy Rockland at the Kaffley Center for Theoretical Physics. We're both attending a, a workshop on network architecture and the brain. And Kathy, you, you gave us a presentation yesterday where you really gave us quite a broad overview of the anatomy of mainly cerebral cortex. Yes. So, so what, what do you think are sort of the, the, key, the key properties of, of a neocortex that, that we should be aware of? Of the neocortex. <laughs> well, uh, let me start with what may seem backwards and say I think the distributed property this is, most people are not going to say this first thing, but uh, if you look at these axons and you look at the divergence and you look at the collateralization, the uh, first word, English word, that comes to your mind is distributed or divergent. Now we can proceed a little bit more. That, that immediately gets you into questions of probably uh, random or specific, which we can come back to. I'm not saying random, I'm just saying simple fact of distributed. And uh, so that's one thing we can come back to. Uh, probably what most people would then talk about the cortex is uh, uh, because it's been promoted and promoted and promoted uh, a uniform organization. This is what we were talking about at lunch. But that really, if you look closely at the anatomy, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. I could show you pictures later, or we can, we can develop that theme also. Having said that, um, I would then introduce the idea that, which many people are saying, that the anatomy and the function is a little bit discrepant. Uh, so we've been, again, trained to say structure-function correlation. But uh, now it's very clear that there can be functional aspects and structural aspects, and sometimes there's an apparent discrepancy. Cortex, of course, can deal with it, but for us it looks... Can you give an example of this discrepancy? Yeah, I think, and, and we might have talked about this yesterday also. One of my uh, favorite examples, and you can pick this apart, mm -hmm. please, <laughs> is uh, ocular dominance columns in the monkey. So you are shown ocular dominance columns uh, with beautiful 2DG, uh, so an eye is blocked and you see the 2DG pattern more or less through the layers. It's very convincing, it's very real. Um, then you are told what is the truth, that the, uh, more or less, that the basis of this is thalamocortical connectivity. Now, uh, there are actually several things to say about that. One is if you look at the scale of the anatomy and the function, the functional column, there's an, an immediate mismatch. So in uh, layer 4C, the main, main layer, parvocellular axons are smaller than 500. I should say the uh, ocular functional columns are about 500 microns in diameter. But the parvocellular LGN is smaller, 250. Magnocellular is larger, with two, two or three clusters. Then 4A, you have another population of thalamocortical axons. It's very small, 100 microns, center to center. Sometimes, sometimes they're collaterals in layer 6. These tend to be smaller. The cytochrome oxidase population is uh, the axons are less than, equal or less than 100 microns. And in layer 1, 
uh, whatever goes up there from the LGM is very divergent. So I was puzzled by this for a long time, and my own explanation is there must be some operation, something, some operation, which is making those axons converge. And the key word here would be maybe something, operation, and converge in a 500 micron space. And the two, two candidates would be uh, something molecular, going back to development, presumably, maybe extracellular matrix, and uh, activity-related, or and or both. Okay, so here, let me summarize. The functional column is unambiguously 500 microns, but the anatomical basis of this, the primary anatomical basis, is all, I'll use the same term probably several times, all around the block. Now, of course, the reconciliation, we think, would be from the intrinsic processing. But that gets you in, it's not the same thing as saying thalamocortical connections are the basis of ocular dominance columns. It means that the cortex is doing, the intrinsic cortex is doing something on those connections. But how do you then define this functional scale of organization of 500 micron? What you would see, well, I, I so my first response is operationally that you can link if you have a functional marker, like 2-deoxyglucose or CFOS, and you can link it to a behavior, you will, you will tend to see a, a columnar, often a columnar organization of this, this amount. Does that, does I want to go a little bit further? No, go ahead, go okay. ahead. But. but having said that, there is some beautiful work, and I'm sorry, I forget the uh, authors here, but it was within the last five years on the CFOS of... Um, might have been Japanese group, uh, Yamamori, excuse me, Yamamori, uh, where they were looking at different conditions of uh, ocular deprivation mm -hmm. in the monkey uh, in CFOS, which is a better resolution than, uh, excuse me, than the uh, 2DG, and they would see uh, they would able to, they were able to see several laminar patterns depending on the time interval and what they had actually done. Mm -hmm. the ocular dominance. So even there, there is a suggestion that uh, when you're looking at average techniques, uh, it can it's telling you part of reality, but not the whole part. Okay, so so one one bottom line of this is that structural and functional organization does not necessarily match. Not not right? to the investigate not, not to the investigative view. Uh, right. So it works in mm -hmm. biology but not in the way we might think. Right, not so there's the no simple mapping between the two. Often not. In fact, when it occurs, it's, 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 it's almost the exception. And one exception would be, uh, for example, cortical spinal tract, mm -hmm. where you have the uh, difference of primate with the fine uh, pincer movement right. versus the carnivores that cup, and there mm -hmm. is an anatomical basis. Mm -hmm. Or even the development of the cortical spinal tract, so babies can't walk mm -hmm. until the cortical spinal tract does something, myelination, maybe other things. But I've come to think it's almost the exception rather than the rule. Okay. But now in your presentation, you also went a bit further than that, right? Because you also uh, pointed out that, that the sort of standard notions of feed forward and feed back that people have been using to describe the structure of the cortex might not be that clear-cut either. Absolutely, and I think in, se in several ways. Okay. Uh, one, even if you take the schematic, the strong view with layers and so on and so on, uh, there are many exceptions, really abundant exceptions. And when you go to the rodent, it's been well known for years that the, uh, the laminar-based scheme 
uh, breaks down in a big way. You, so you have a tent layer. Layer one is favored maybe by what could be feedback. Layer four is favored, but there's a tremendous blurring. So, uh, but even within primate, you have a lot of exceptions. But what are the rules really on which we have these exceptions? So what, what, what do you mean by rules? Well, as you say, you have many exceptions in rodent and also in, in, in monkey, but then there's a rule to which you have an exception, right? So, yes, so, okay. so what's the rule okay. for? All right, well, the, uh, the old rule, which has some basis, in fact, in, in, in static anatomical fact, is that, um, okay, feed forward. See, it's really based on a relay view of the brain, and I don't think that's very useful. But if you accept that relay view, the uh, visual information goes to the eye, goes to the LGN, goes to V1, and so on. Then, um, and of course, V1 goes to LGN, but also other things go to LGN. So none of these are pairwise. Absolutely none. When you get to V1, and you say, okay, let's start the relay from there. And uh, if you do V1, V2, Let's just put in MT, extra striate, uh, V4, infratemporal cortex. There is, uh, you can plausibly say uh, layer 3 goes to layer 4, in input layer, in your feed forward. And the feedback is uh, actually usually two layers, layer 6 and, and layer 2, feeding back to layer 1 and sometimes layer 6. But there is a dissociation, one can present a dissociation of a layer 4 based feedback, feed forward and a layer 1 based feedback. And there also is, this was the data, these were the data I was showing yesterday, a dissociation in spatial uh, organization. Feed forward tends to have uh, smaller arbors, sometimes multiple, feedback divergent in layer 1. But I would still, uh, I suggested yesterday and uh, would still like to suggest that you can you can rephrase this in terms of a layer one organization or a layer one biased connection and a layer four biased connection. There's no real need to say feed forward and feed back in that, and it has a very bad assumption of saying well something happened and then there was a feedback, but we don't know when the uh, film started. Uh, so there is a, a strong assumption in the terminology of uh, this temporal or relay pattern, which I think is not, it, it can be useful to an extent, but it cannot be the whole truth. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's okay. But then another, another issue then becomes um, this so-called uniformity of cortex, right? Mm -hmm. so, so for instance, you would say, well, we have a layered structure, and uh, to architectonically, it sort of roughly remains the same if we sort of go from the front <laughs> to the back, right? And um, also, there would then be this idea that maybe in terms of their functional organization, things will change in the sort of occipital areas and then parietals, more sensory, and if you go more frontal, it becomes more motor. Is that then at least a pattern we can still sort of adhere to? Uh, yes, by, by all means, but of course I'm going to say but. <laughs> and um, you have to keep in mind the threshold problem, so which is glaringly obvious in fMRI. So if you set your, if I understand correctly, if you set your threshold low enough, you're going to see lots of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's apparent, I think, well, V1, 
your sensory areas in the adult, in the primate, uh, probably do function strongly unimodal. But there are these cross-modal connections. Even in, uh, in monkey, I'm going to say it's in the periphery, peripheral visual field. Uh, maybe a little bit less in, in the fovea. So this, this again, would, would uh, substantiate the threshold phenomenon. But in monkey V2, to some extent V1, you have, um, in V2 it's quite respectable, you have auditory input, you have some sensory input. Um, in, the, in, the, in the rodent, you 